Welcome to another episode of Investing Compass. Before we begin, a quick note that the information contained in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your personal objectives, financial situations, or needs. All right, so Shani, we talked about your birthday last time. Mm. And yesterday I took you for a birthday drink. You did, yeah, we went to a really nice bar. And uh, you complained about it. <laughs> you make me out to sound like a really bad person. No, I asked Ma whether we could go somewhere very casual, and I said, Somewhere I could wear a t-shirt. And he chose this really ritzy, upscale bar. And I was like, I can't wear a t-shirt there, Mark. He's like, yeah, you could. And, you could. And I asked him what he was wearing. He's like, not a t-shirt. So. <laughs> yes, well, that happened. And you know what? We didn't order, and we were joking about it, mm. that they had something called like a million dollar martini. And yeah. apparently they came over and your table. shaved 24 karat gold into, your, into your martini. I don't know why you'd want that. but I'm not sure. It sounds... Pretty gross. It's a missed but. opportunity, but <laughs> yeah. we said we were going to order one and then we just forgot. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> let's get into the actual episode. Mm-hmm. We've, we've talked about your birthday twice now, so I, I feel like that's enough, right? Yes. Okay. So we get comments from readers often, mm-hmm. and today's episode is based on comments. So we get a lot of questions around portfolios mm-hmm. and specifically ETF portfolios because mm-hmm. people do love ETFs. So we're going to talk a little bit today about international ETFs and how to make up a portfolio with them. And we also actually got a really nice email from Jenny. Mm-hmm. That was very nice. Who said that she likes to listen to the podcast while she's gardening. Yes. And I've actually prepared something for you, Mark, because you always quiz me and make me feel like I take an exam every time I do an episode. So, Are you going to quiz I've... me about ETFs <laughs> or something else? No, um, about national flora. So this one's for Jenny. About the gardening thing. Yes. Okay. She likes gardening. She likes flora. So I'm going to ask you the national flora for five countries. I'm going to get every one wrong. (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll start with an easy one. What about Australia? You know, I learned this before I took the citizenship test. That's why I thought you would know this. But I don't remember. You've had a lot to drink since then. It's not a war (laughs) talk. That's New South Wales, right? I don't remember. What is it? A waddle. A golden waddle. A golden waddle. Okay. Well, they shave that into your drink at a certain <laughs> bar. Um, okay, what about the U.S.? I have no idea. Mark, you grew up there. What were you learning in school? <laughs> Not that. <laughs> okay. Well, it's the rose. I was going to guess a rose. Yeah. Um, another easy one, Japan. A cherry blossom. You got it. That's one out of three so far. That's pretty good. It's better than I do in most tests. <laughs> um, what about England? We'll see, I would guess a rose again. It is a rose. So we just copied England. Basically, yeah. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> so that's two, two out of four. And um, Ireland. I have no idea. I feel like I should know, but you're yeah. putting me on the spot here. What is it? It's a shamrock. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's actually get into the episode All now. Right, we can talk about this. something I know about, okay. which is ETFs. But, you know, we're recording this on the 10th of March. And I think we do at least need to acknowledge what's going on in markets right now, Shani. We do. We've um, seen continued volatility and dropping markets globally. And while we aren't particularly surprised by what is happening, we do need to acknowledge uh, that this is causing a lot of stress for people. And as volatility increases, behavioral risk increases, which means that the stress from markets dropping makes it more likely that you'll do something that's not in your long-term best interest. Yeah, which basically, in other words, you panic. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, the one thing I will say is during times like this, you know, things can seem out of control, especially as the market drops and goes back up and drops. And it seems like that because, of course, you have no control over what happens, certainly over the short term in the market. But there are a couple of techniques that you can use to regain some semblance of control. And that is just going back and taking a look at your goals and your plan. So if you have a plan, go back and revisit it. And that'll just show you that everything actually is under control and that over the long term, you position yourself to achieve your goals. And if you don't have a plan, then go back and listen to our portfolio construction episode and our selecting investments episode. Um, so both of those should help you create a plan. But anyway, let's move on with today's episode. All right. So the inspiration for this episode, as we said, is emails that we get that asks us to look at portfolios made up of ETFs and share our thoughts. This is also something we see all over forums where people want to know how their portfolio looks. So today we're going to try and provide a framework to think about a portfolio made up of ETFs. And we're going to start, as I said earlier, with global ETFs. And the reason we're going to do that is because ETFs are one of the most popular ways for investors to get exposure to global markets. So trading global shares is getting easier and increasingly popular, but an ETF is an easy way to do that without having to jump through all those hoops of getting international trading with your broker. All right. So let's start with the basics, because before we can talk about individual ETFs, we need to take a look at the world as a whole. If you're truly a passive investor, this is what you're going to own. And if you are truly a passive investor, you're going to try and replicate the FTSE Global All Cap Index. This represents everything, both developed and emerging markets, large cap, mid cap and small cap shares, which means every size company. So why don't you dig into that index a little bit for us, Mark? Okay. So there are 9,328 companies in the index, and that is across 49 countries. So that is the investable universe of shares. Now, obviously, that's a lot, but of course, it's concentrated in certain countries and certain sectors and in certain companies. So why don't we start with countries? So just under 60% of this index is in the US. The next highest country is Japan, um, which has six and a quarter percent. And then we have the UK at a little, little over 4%. So for those of you that can do math quickly in your head, that means that over 70% of this index or the investable universe of shares is in three countries. And you know, let's be serious, most of that's just in one country. So that leaves a grand total of 30% of the index for the remaining 46 countries. So why don't you take a look at sectors for us, Shani? All right. So sectors, of course, are groupings of companies with similar attributes. 22% of the index is in technology companies, 14.5% is in financials and consumer discretionary, 13.5% is in, in industrials, and 11% in healthcare. Everything else is around 5% or less, so that means a little more than 75% is in five sectors, and around 25% is in the remaining six sectors. So let's talk about companies, Mark. What's going on there? Okay, so obviously there's a lot of companies. We said there's 9,328 companies in this. But a lot of that, of course, is concentrated in a couple. So the biggest holding is Apple. So Apple is just about 3.5% of the index. And then the second biggest is Microsoft with a little bit more than 3%. The top 10 holdings have almost 14.5% of the overall index and consist of nine American companies and one from my homeland of Taiwan, which you didn't ask me the flower <laughs> from Taiwan. I would probably know that. Um, so in the top 10 are the usual suspects that we always talk about. So it's Apple and Microsoft, along with Amazon, Google, Tesla, NVIDIA, Taiwan Semiconductor, Meta, and United Health. 
All right, so that's it, the world of shares. To truly invest passively, you should try and replicate this index. In Australia, there isn't an ETF that tracks this index, but you can basically do it using three ETFs. You can purchase a developed market ETF, an emerging market ETF, and a small cap ETF, and that would be true passive investing. So let's quickly run through the options here. So the largest portion of your investment would go into a large and mid-cap developed market ETF. So large and mid-cap, of course, are the biggest companies and you know middle-sized companies. So that would be about 70% of your total investment if you want to get the same exposure as that overall global index. So there are two ETFs that our analysts give Metalist ratings to in this space, and Metalist ratings, of course, are good. Um, we have gold-rated Vanguard Miski International ETF, which comes in both a hedged and unhedged version. So the hedged version removes any impact of currency movements. The unhedged version ticker is VGS, and then the hedged version ticker is VGAD. Then the other ETF is the Spider S&P World X Australia ETF, which also comes in a hedged and unhedged version. It received a bronze rating from our analysts, and the ticker symbol is WXOZ for the unhedged version and WXHG for the hedged version. All right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about those two ETFs, Shani? All right. So there's certainly small differences, but they are pretty similar. Each one has heavy exposure to the US, with the Spider having more than 65% of assets in the US and Vanguard closer to 70%. The other country exposures are also pretty similar. Both have large exposures to the technology sector with close to 24% of the Spider product and close to 22% in the Vanguard product. The Spider product has 20% of holdings in the top 10 names which includes 5.2% in Apple and 4% in Microsoft. And the Vanguard has 19% in the top 10, which includes 5% in Apple and 3.8% in Microsoft. These percentages should start to sound pretty similar as they're close to the overall total global opportunity set we discussed before. And that does make sense because, as Mark said, this would be roughly 70% of your total investment if you were trying to replicate exposure to that total global investable universe. So yes, you don't have to have emerging market or small cap exposure because they don't make up that much of the overall global market. And there are differences between these two products, but honestly, not enough to get into any big argument about. Both are cheap with a fee of 0.18% or 18 basis points. And historically, the returns have been very similar. So let's not split hairs here with these two ETFs. They both give you large and mid-cap exposure to global markets, which is mostly made up of U.S. shares and is extremely overweight technology shares. Let's move on to the next step of trying to replicate that total investable universe of global shares. We want to put roughly 20 to 25% into emerging market shares now. So how do we do this, Shani? All right. So once again, we have two choices here that our analysts like. They like the Vanguard Emerging Markets Shares ETF with the ticker symbol of VGE, and the iShares Miski Emerging Markets ETF with the ticker symbol IEM. Once again, these are fairly similar. With any passive emerging market ETF, you're getting a whole lot of China. And the Vanguard product has 34.5% in China, and the iShares product has 31.3% in China. Taiwan is the second largest position in both ETFs at 19.66% and 16.44% respectively. And then we get into the difference, and that difference is South Korea. I love South Korea. I know. I've told you a lot of stories. <laughs> so I once drank a very unhealthy amount of soju in Itawan. I don't think location has ever been a problem for you to drink an unhealthy amount, Mark, but maybe we should stick to the investing side of things. 
right. the career. <laughs> okay, let's let's do okay. that. I'll tell so, my stories later uh, once we finish recording. Right. So this is a case where indexes matter. Vanguard follows the FTSE Emerging Markets Index, which considers South Korea a developed market, so it's not included in the Emerging Market Index or the ETF. iShares is following the MISCI Index, which considers South Korea an emerging market and therefore has close to 13% of the ETF in the index. So there isn't really much of a point about us arguing where South Korea belongs. But what I will say is that 13% is fairly meaningful when you're looking at these ETFs. And when we look at that iShares product, we can see that Samsung is the third largest holding with 3.85% of the ETF. So now let's put this whole thing in a little bit of perspective before before people start losing sleep over South Korea. This is not going to make a big difference in achieving your goals if you happen to pick this MISCI developed market ETF like BGS or the FTSE Emerging Market Index, which VGE follows. So one last thing to keep me awake at night, I figure if anyone is worried about not meeting their retirement goal because of South Korea, you can go out drinking soju with Mark, which will take enough years off your life so you won't have to worry about retirement in the first place. Maybe. We could do soju (laughs) or somebody could take me out and buy me that million dollar martini. Mm, I'll do that, mate. It was $42. (laughs) It was $45. $45. (laughs) It seems like a lot for a drink. But anyway. All right. So let's get back to emerging markets. So the reason that most people shouldn't care that much is because emerging markets would make up a pretty small portion of your portfolio if you are truly a passive investor and you're trying to replicate this total investable universe with your portfolio. Because when we look at the overall index, we see that South Korea makes up 1.46% of the index. So it's a rounding error. So If you're going to allocate a significant portion of your portfolio to emerging markets, then perhaps you need to have more of an opinion on this. But once again, if you're trying to look for that overall total investable market, this doesn't make up a big part of it. Ultimately, our analysts like both of these ETFs. The iShares product charges 0.69% in expenses and Vanguard charges 0.48%. But other than South Korea, they are pretty similar. The top 10 holdings are basically the same, with the exception of Samsung, and over the last five years, the performance has been very similar. Okay, we've got one more piece of the puzzle now, Shani, and that's small cap shares. So this is going to be a pretty small allocation. If you're trying to replicate that overall index, you would put around 5 to 10% of your international allocation in here. So this one's a bit easier because our analysts have a metals rating on only one passive ETF, which is the Vanguard Miski International Small Cap ETF with the ticker symbol VISM. So Pretty similar country allocations to the large and mid-cap ETF with 60% in the US, 105 in Japan, 64 in the UK. And then in terms of allocation to specific companies, there's really no concentration. So 0.20 is the largest position, and that's Marathon Oil. And there's a fee of 0.33% a year. So we've gone through this initial exercise where we've recreated a truly passive global equity portfolio. If you are a pure passive investor, this is what you would invest in. But most people are not purely passive investors, even if they use all passive ETFs. And I'm not saying this is a good thing or a bad thing, and I'm not saying it's right for your personal circumstances or wrong, but any deviation from this asset allocation is no longer purely passive investing. Many investors will then make very active bets with their asset allocation by deviating from these from this asset allocation. So how do people that are investing passively deviate from this truly passive approach to markets? Well, one thing they do a lot and that we hear a lot about is they double down on the US. So they'll invest in a product like the iShares S&P 500 Index Fund with the ticker IVV. And we like that ETF and our analysts give it a silver rating. And 
we of course understand why people double down on the US because the US has outperformed almost every other market since the GFC. So that unhedged IVV ETF, which also includes, of course, currency movements, it's delivered close to 19% annual returns over the last decade. But we just want to make the point that the U.S. is already a large part of any global index or any global ETF that you're investing. The other thing we hear a lot is that people want exposure to technology. So they'll buy something like the NASDAQ 100 ETF NDQ. And once again, we get it. Technology is a good story. And over the past five years, NDQ has done close to 23% annual returns. But remember that if you look at a global ETF like VGS, it already has 22% tech and the S&P 500 index is 25% tech. And once again, another thing that we hear from people is they want to invest sustainably, at least with a portion of their portfolio. So they pick something like the BetaShares Global Sustainability Leaders ETF with the ticker ETHI. And once again, our analysts like it and they give it a bronze rating, but this is a global ETF but it has 72% of it in the US. And like many sustainable companies, it skews towards technology. So like many sustainable ETFs, sorry, Mm -hmm. it skews towards technology because of course those companies meet a lot of the ESG criteria. So you get over 30% of it allocated to the tech sector. All of these decisions do make sense in isolation. People start with a broad global ETF because they've heard that you should invest passively because active managers rarely beat the index. Then they hear how well the US has performed, so they buy the S&P 500 ETF. And then they add a NASDAQ ETF because technology is the future and they want to invest in the future. And finally, they want to invest sustainably because who wants to invest in unethical things? And it's a great story. And all of this is, of course, reinforced with marketing by the ETF companies. So many people are sitting there thinking they want to be diversified and they like all of these separate separate stories, and they like all of these different products. And once again, we don't think that there's anything wrong with any of those individual ETFs, but we encourage people to take a step back and look at their portfolio and where they are exposed. And we have a great tool as part of Morningstar Investor that's called Portfolio X-Ray, which shows you your asset allocation. So that includes geographic allocation, sector exposure, and then the overlap in individual securities if you own multiple ETFs or funds. And I think a lot of people, if they looked at this, would be surprised by what they're exposed to. So we put together a portfolio using these ETFs that we mentioned, and we put equal amounts of money into them. So 25% into that Global Developed Market ETF, VGS, 25% into the S&P 500 ETF, IVV, 25% into the NASDAQ ETF, NDQ, and 25% into the BetaShares Sustainability ETF, ETHI. So what does this look like? Well, you have 30% of your portfolio in tech shares, 46% of your portfolio is in large cap growth shares, 85% of your portfolio is invested in the US. And then we start getting into individual shares and the part of this report called the stock intersection. So Apple is held by all four ETFs and you end up with 7.5% of your portfolio in Apple, 5% in Microsoft and more than 3% in NVIDIA and Amazon. So you may hold thousands of shares in this portfolio, but you're also very concentrated in a single country, a single sector, and in the biggest companies within that sector. The point is that building a portfolio is not just about buying a bunch of ETFs that individually have compelling stories. Start with the market and then be deliberate about the tilts that you want to take your portfolio. And understand that a lot of these tilts are actually overlapping. Increasing your exposure to the US is also increasing your exposure to tech and vice versa. 
Tilting towards sustainable investing also means increasing your exposure to tech in the US, where so many of these tech firms are headquartered. So just be deliberate about each new ETF that you add to a portfolio and be mindful of what you're exposing yourself to and how that fits into the exposures that you already have. And also remember that less is more. The power of an ETF is that with one trade, you can get a diversified portfolio. So always remember with an ETF portfolio that less is more. Adding more ETFs with similar exposures does not actually add much in the way of diversification, can increase trading costs, and it can actually lead you to trade more. And one thing we didn't talk about today, you know, deliberately, was we didn't talk about my favorite ETF subject, which is, of course, thematics. So people generally will sprinkle in thematics here, which can also increase exposure to these same areas. So anyway, we hope that today was helpful. Once again, the offer stands. If you would like to buy Shani and I the <laughs> million-dollar martini for $45 each. each. We're not sharing one. No. no. I mean, that's not safe in the age of COVID, and it's important to have our own drinks. So yeah, anyone wants to buy us a drink, just let us know. But thank you very much. We'd also love any comments you have, any ratings in your podcast app. And of course, my email address is in the show notes. So if you have questions or comments or show ideas, please send them through. Any advice in this podcast is general advice or regulated financial advice under New Zealand law prepared by Morningstar Australasia Proprietary Limited and or Morningstar Research Limited without reference to your financial objectives, situations or needs. You should consider the advice in light of these matters and any relevant product disclosure statement before making any decision to invest. To obtain advice for your own situation, contact a financial advisor.